We've come to the end of our season and right now we are recording season five and putting together all sorts of awesome for you. So like we've done for the last four seasons, today we're bringing you one of our favorite episodes from The Vault to tide you over until we launch season five on the 26th of April. But keep your eyes peeled on our socials because we might have a sneaky something extra for you next week. But this week, here is one of my favorite interviews to date with Nasty C, who himself has gone on to start his own amazing podcast that I honestly just can't get enough. Remember to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform or just head on over to texttalks.com. And remember, that's Tex with a double X. Hello and welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex. And today I am talking to a multi-award winning rapper who, despite growing up in Durban, the home of Kwaito and House and Gom, carved a different path for himself in hip hop. This path ultimately saw him become the youngest ever recipient of an award at the SA Hip Hop Awards in 2015, release a triple platinum selling album in 2018, and ultimately go on to sign a historic deal with Jeff Def Jam Records in early 2020. Having toured 32 new markets last year alone, this trailblazer has a knack for filling up arenas and dominating the stage. And at only 23 years old, he is undisputedly the voice of a new generation. And damn, does this man motivate me to work harder. I'm, of course, talking about Nasty C. Nasty, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. That was crazy. (laughs) Thank you for that. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm I'm fantastic, and and that's how we do on this podcast. We like to make people feel welcome, and we only speak the truth. I only speak the truth. I mean, your yeah, uh, your accolades speak for themselves. But it's also been it's been a whirlwind few weeks for you. I mean, you released your new album, and then there was the mini documentary, and then very recently the Netflix special, um, all of which we'll get to. But like, how are you feeling? Like, how much Red Bull have you been drinking? <laughs> Uh, I've been feeling good, man. Uh, I feel inspired to even do more stuff. That's why I'm back in studio. I'm back to shooting uh, for for more videos and stuff like that. You know, it's just been a good it's been a good month altogether. You know. Well, firstly, congrats on the release and the success so far of uh, a Zulu Man with some power. Thank you. Uh, I feel like I feel like to call the album Zulu Man with some power is is very smart because. You know, after signing to Def Jam and your constant touring pre-COVID, like you've got a very, to me, you have a very clear goal to break various overseas markets. Mm-hmm. And and by calling your album Zulu Man with some power, it lets your music speak culturally for you. You're, it's like you're saying, this is who I am and this is where I'm from. How how important has it been over the last few years to not lose sight of where you're from? It's very important, man. I find that um, that's, 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 what like all these artists that we look up to so much that's what they've been doing this whole time but it's just that they've made it so cool that we look at it as this urban culture we don't look at it as american culture or west coast culture or new york culture do you know what i mean and mm. and i, I it's always just been a thing that i looked at as like a a cool thing but i never really um sat down and thought about taking it on and really applying it to my to my music and my whole narrative my whole image you know until i had this conversation with no id about two years ago um in january um 
we spoke a lot about like that type of stuff, right? Like cultures mm-hmm. and, and just like bridging the gap and taking your culture with you, no matter where you go in the world, through through your music, right? <clears throat> like and letting your, your your music be the vehicle. And you made a lot of examples, like with a lot of artists, but one that really stuck out for me um, was uh, when he spoke about Snoop and how he took the West Coast culture and, and brought it to New York to a place where it was like just all Tims and, and, and black attire and just like very basic type dressing, like, you know, and, and he, he came in there with like a hairstyle, like braids with, with huge beads, like pom-poms and all that type of stuff. Stuff that normally you'd look at and think it's something a girl should be doing and not a guy, especially not a gangster, you know, but he made that cool. And you see, like today you get artists like ASAP Rocky, who's fresh out of New York, like from there, born, bred there, but... His hair looks like Snoop's. Do you know what I mean? And it's just become a part of the hip hop culture altogether. So that's that's what I was like trying to do. That's that's been my whole mission for like the past two years. I just I was I was still trying to figure out a way to do it. Um, and I think titling my album Zulu Man with some power is one of the first steps. You know that that will lead to something very very big. I feel like exactly what you just spoke about. You sort of reinforced in the music video for for There They Go that you dropped back in March. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was also directed by Andrew Sadler, who shot your mini documentary. But but what what has the response been like from people you grew up with or, or Durbanites in general about spotlighting the city in such a poignant way? Well, I mean, I mean they're happy, but it's not like it's not like something that we 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 get together and we speak about, you know. Like I, I might see like a tweet or two or maybe a DM from from one of my friends, but everybody else, like I, I never it never really gets to me. I guess I'm just doing my part. My the, the the reception doesn't really matter that much, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. But I know the reason why I did that. Like the the reason why I got Andrew to shoot it as opposed to getting somebody that's from the city or from the country was I wanted I wanted a fresh eye. I wanted somebody that's gonna look at the stuff that we consider very normal and and shit that we're like oblivious to. I wanted somebody that'll look at it and go, wow, this is very rich. Like cultural wise or whatever and and that's why i brought him just to make us even even myself appreciate my city a bit more i remember back in february this year i was invited to like a mansion somewhere in joburg and it was all very hush hush we didn't know why as press we were there or why we were going there and then we were introduced to ibro darden from from apple music and then later on in the day he interviewed you and you you told him a story about how you ended up working with T.I. because he dropped you a DM. Mm-hmm. And at the at the time, T.I. actually had no idea that he was the reason that you rap and that he had influenced you. Um, and I, I, I really liked that story. I thought it was I thought it was very special. And I wanted to know what was it about T.I. especially that made you sit up and, and pay attention to hip hop? Um, I guess it was... I guess it was, uh, well, besides the, the the good music and and the well produced video and and the swag, the the jury, the cars and all that. Besides all that, besides what I what I heard and saw, I think it was more so just because that was my first time seeing hip hop. That was my first time really listening to hip hop. Like when it came on, my attention immediately drifted from whatever I was doing at the time, and it just I was just so taken away by by the song, you know. Um, by everything altogether, and I think because that was my first, I always like appreciated more than any any other artist that I listened to. Even if even if Ti have have fallen off, like in two thousand, I would still look at him as as the person who 
changed my life without even knowing it, you know? Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about the Origins documentary. He's not just a great African rapper. He's a great rapper who happens to be from Africa. I give you Durban. Because apart from being very well shot, you got very personal on it and you you speak about losing your mom when you were very young and then also not having the support of your dad when you wanted to pursue music. But then there's this very sweet moment towards the end where you know we see that now you very obviously do have your dad's support. Mm-hmm. What would you say to kids listening to this now who maybe don't have the support from family members to pursue their dreams and are feeling a bit lost? Um, damn. That's a that's a hard one because it is like it it differs, you know. The reason why the reason why it may hurt like more for others is because they might lose their parents at like at like six or seven. They already have memories in the bank, you know. So so when they lose that person, there's a void that's there that they they, they know what they're missing out of. For me, it was different. Like I never I don't know anything about my mother, so it didn't really it didn't affect me in a bad way like that. Like I didn't find myself just crying on random nights and, and stuff. Like that would only happen if I spent like the whole day really just thinking about what could have been, you know? So it's really hard to say how people should handle those types of things. But I know that being able to believe in yourself a thousand percent when there's absolutely nobody in your corner and it's, it feels dark and lonely and cold, being able to believe in yourself, even through those times, that's the magic right there. That's the gold right there that, that nobody could ever take that type of strength and, and resilience from you. Like once, once you, once you're able to do that, and you should always expect that because you, you don't know what might happen to the people that are in your corner right now. You know, not to say that they might reconsider their position in your lives or whatever, but what if just by, by fate, they, they you lose them to an accident or something? Like you, you should always be able to like stand by yourself. You know, that's just that's just the way I grew up. And unfortunately, I was forced to become this person. But it would be it would be a smart thing to do to try and equip yourself like that, like that. You know? How much did it mean to you when essentially, you, you know, your dad did come around and and he realized that, you know, music was your passion and was a viable career option for you and uh, and that you had his support? How important was that to you now? Um, it it really was something that it's like one of those things that I've always wanted my entire life, even if, even though like, I didn't really know that I wanted it, you know, because when he actually said those words, when he told me he was proud of me, like it just brought tears to my eyes. Right? I just started crying. I don't even know how long it had been since I cried. Like I don't cry at all, but that day I did. And I didn't even know I needed to hear that from him because it was like, from the time I started, just the attitude and, and the energy that was that was just like between us when it comes to music, it was just always like so bad that I ended up just saying, I want to do it regardless of what you think or how you feel about me, whether you, feel, you don't like me as a son because I didn't listen to you and and, and walk your path or because I, I take part in this and this and that. Like I was, my mind was already made up. I was just like, I'm going to do it regardless. And it wasn't really... I, it wasn't something that I was looking forward to hearing. And when I heard it, it 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 definitely it definitely had an effect on me. It definitely struck a chord, you know. But um, it it felt like it it was it, it came from a place where it's like 
he said it because he he knows now that he doesn't have to be so scared and so worried for me anymore. It's not like he actually is like a huge fan of my music and that he actually knows what I'm about. We still don't even like know each other like that. And that's that's crazy. Like he raised me. I grew up in his house, but I don't really know him like that. And he doesn't know me like that either. So it didn't really you know, it's not really something that that um turned everything around for me, like in terms of just like our relationship when it comes to my music and stuff. I mean, it was it's cool, you know, uh, and, and that, but it wasn't like that, like that. I think that, you know, ultimately everybody has a different relationship with their parents, but but those of us who are lucky enough to still have our parents alive, mm-hmm. um, they really do, like, even though they might give us a lot of shit, at the end of the day, they just want the best for us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, 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 the fact that you even had that poignant moment with your dad is a beautiful thing. Mm, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm glad yeah. too that I came around like earlier than I guess he expected me to. Or like a lot of people learn to, like a lot of people start to realize that their parents only just loves them that much and, and, and they just don't want them to make mistakes and stuff like that. When they're like old or after something bad happens to them, you know, when, when life humbles them, that's that's when most people start to think like that. But I'm just like grateful that I started thinking like that from when I moved out, when I moved out of home and I was like out for like two years. I started to really think about how I would have acted if if I was in, in, in like in his shoes, you know, single father mm-hmm. most of the time, um, one job, having to take care of like eight kids they all want to go to this school, like, and he tried, he tried his, his hardest, yo, like, he put us through, like, the best schools and, and stuff, and somehow managed to keep us disciplined, make sure we have our morals intact, like, we're respectful people, humble people, like, all my siblings, we're all like that, so I started to put myself, like, in his position, like, mentally, I started to think, I was like, that's actually not easy at all, and, and considering everything that happened to us as a family, and then I started to, to like, really appreciate him for even even not being so supportive, not being so easy, not just letting me do whatever I want, like letting me know that real life is not like that. It's not that sweet. Like you're going to fail if you do shit blindly. Do you know what I mean? I pre- I started appreciating him for that. Mm. Mm. I mean, it it seems to me like, you know, from your from your hunger and your drive, I mean, you, you let absolutely nothing get in your way and you were very, you had your eye on the prize mm-hmm. and you knew that music was the thing that you wanted to do. And, and in the documentary, there's a, there's a very, very kind of sort of scary moment where you, you're standing like on this bridge and you point to this river uh, and you're like, yeah, no. so I had to cross two like very turbulent rivers to go and record in the early days. And mm-hmm. not only did I have to cross those rivers, but then I also had to like walk through bushes with like insects. And sometimes for a few hours, you know, I had to walk and then, and then you say, and you say very very casually, you're like, yeah, you know, thinking about it now, like I could have almost died. Um, and, and that for me, I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy's so determined. It's crazy. But like, what was pushing you? Was it just this, this instinct and this drive? Like you knew, you knew that this was it. Yeah, it was, it was that. And just being desperate to get out of the situation I was in, you know, I, yeah. I, I just always wanted to be my own, my own person that like that, the person that takes care of other people. I, I, I don't like asking for stuff, um, and especially where I grew up, like, you ask for stuff, you're almost guaranteed to get a note, which, like, people do it anyways, you know? And and 
I needed a lot of stuff just as just as a young kid growing up, not even as a musician, just as a young kid. I needed a lot of like I needed clothes. I needed like somebody I could talk to about certain stuff in my life. I needed somebody to explain a lot of what happened to my mother. Like all that that side of the story was still very vague. Like and it was like like I guess people that were like lying to protect me in, in a way, you know, so it was like a lot of things that I, that I wanted to have. And I knew there was no way they were going to happen. Just like me being the same old regular me. I had to either just like become a man and move out of home and just like forget about a lot of stuff and just start over or be man enough to, to, to confront my father and, and have like a sit down with him. And I knew the only way that would happen is, is if I proved to him that I take this thing very seriously and I start bringing in some money, of course, and, and help out with the family and also just like prove to him that it's not it's not like a a guaranteed failure. I had to repaint the whole image of of an artist. You know, our families think artists they just think a druggie. <laughs> a druggie <laughs> likes loud music. That's all they think, you know. So I had to repaint their whole image. And I guess all all of those things and just wanting like a better life for my sisters and my brothers, man. All, mm. all of that is what really drove me. I also like how you don't, you don't leave anything out. You know, you don't in that mini documentary specifically, like you don't sugarcoat everything. You talk about like your early days of making music with those Nokia headphones when you didn't own a microphone in this tiny room, um, which, which I think a lot of people, a lot of kids will benefit from to see. And that's why, I mean, I've seen, I've read a lot of articles where people call you the the voice of a new generation. And I feel like it's not, um, it's not a hyperbole. I feel like it, you really are like, you really are inspiring. Your entire story is, but, but when you, when you think back on those, those Nokia headphone days, like, how do you remember them? Like what, what, what memories and feelings do they stir up? I just remember being so positive, really. Like I never looked at any of my, shortcomings as shortcomings like if i didn't have a microphone i was gonna make a microphone i, I <laughs> microphones out of speakers like i even learned like to 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 reverse <laughs> a speaker to turn it into a microphone like like i just i just looked at the stuff that i had around me that i i could use and was was really positive man and thinking that i'm on to something or i'm improving and every every single time like i moved on to a better microphone like i went from like nokia headphones to like a lapel and then I found headphones with the with the microphone on the side, and then it became performance microphones. And then you know it it just keeps growing like desktop microphones. Every single time I got a new one, it gave me a chance to to get excited about making music again, you know, because I have a new sound quality now. I'm at an, I'm at a new level, so I have all these people to to show my music and say, yo, look at how, listen to how I sound, and I'm from here though. Like, isn't that crazy? Da, 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 da. And we were really hyped about that, like. We we've always been the type of people to 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 critique music and really break it down, not from just like the lyrics and the content. Like we've always just wanted to to sound like the guys that we like listening to. So I was always just very positive about that type of stuff. Really, I'm I'm really happy that you mentioned that because uh your your latest video that you dropped, Buku Bucks, um, you directed, right? Yeah. yeah. Was that the first time that you directed a music video? No, 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 no. Like I, I direct a lot of my stuff. It's just that so now then, I'm, making, I'm making it known. Like I'm really putting it on the credits and stuff, just so I can take it serious. And all of the work with um, Kyle Lewis and Alison Swank and 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 those directors was that all the collaborative effort? Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, most of the time, like if if I'm using somebody like like Allison or mm-hmm. somebody like Kyle Lewis, right? I usually just just come up with like a very basic idea of what I really want to happen. I might give them like one or two key shots that I want to be done exactly how I, I see it in my head. And then I really just let them go crazy with their creativity because at the end of the day, that's why that's why they're in that position and I'm in this position. I'm here to put out the creative and 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 their their job is to put it together and really put a solid thread through everything so that it makes sense. And it's not just like a bunch of random clips, I guess. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. I didn't know that. That's, that's fantastic. Mm. Um, so I want to talk about Zulu band in Japan. So let me introduce you to the gang right now. Yeah. This is Njabulo. Njabulo. Hey, yeah. what up? What up, what up? <laughs> Every single gun I brought this week, kick hard, bleeding toes. Don't get Japan is a long way from Ilovo in Durban. Um, and it's such a fascinating look at your time spent there. And I wanted to know what it was about Japan specifically that sparked your curiosity. Um, fashion, the art scene, um... And if I'm being honest, karate. <laughs> karate. <laughs> yeah, from like, from like when we were when we were kids, man. Like we always like watch these movies, and we just we always wanted to be there in that space where people dress like that, and they can actually do those moves. So I guess it was like part of it was like my childhood or curiosity or whatever. Okay, so then when you got to Japan, did you go to any uh, dojos? Did you go to any karate tournaments? Did you see anybody? I, no, with- I was. <laughs> I was a, I was supposed to. I know I missed one because of just like our schedule. And then the one time where we got a chance to do it, um, I was just in such a bad mood that day. I don't know why. And just just that first half of the day, also, I think I was just tired from from the previous night. Like we do studios up to like four in the morning, and then have to get up at like eight to go do like a bunch of interviews and stuff. So I I I got a chance to actually go see, but I I didn't. I didn't go. I couldn't go. I didn't want to experience it like that. Mad and stuff. No. No, fair enough. But you mentioned um, the fashion in Japan. Mm-hmm. And we all know that like Japan's fashion is outrageous. Anybody who's like seen a fashion week, seen a lookbook. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if anybody knows anything about you, we know that fashion is also a massive part of your expression as an artist as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the people <clears throat> who was traveling with you on your team was Nigerian American fashion designer Ugo Mozi, mm-hmm. and he's like dressed everyone from Beyonce to to Celine. And what was it like soaking up all this inspiration behind that fashion genius? It was really dope, man. It was um, it was definitely an experience. Um, it put me onto like a lot of stuff. It changed the way I look at um fashion, and and it was so perfect that it happened in Japan also, where people just they dress to express. They don't dress mm. in or to to try and ride a certain wave or trend or whatever. They just dress however they feel like, and and it couldn't happen at a better place, man. You know, I learned a lot. So tell me about your first impressions of Japan. Um, damn, I might have been like so happy and and just like just like <laughs> great to be there that I didn't really pick up on a lot of things, but I know. I know I definitely picked up and appreciated how people are, um, like how they how they are to towards people. There's no uh, people. There's no standards. It's like there's no standards. They don't they don't look at you like oh you're you're a person that's just like this and you're in this car, so you must be important and treat you with like the utmost respect and then try and shit on the next guy. Like it's not like that. Like 
it was it was it was weird. Like I when I was there, I took public transport like most of the time just to experience it, and just because I don't, I never get to do it here back at home. Like, and mm. that's one of the things I missed. So I took we we take the train and stuff. And one one of the things that really tripped me out, like we on the train, and normally typically here in SA, like people that are on the train is not not really people that like luxury and, and people that that are really having it like that, like that. You know what I mean? Like, but over there, I'm seeing people with Birkin bags, LV bags, full on Goyard. I'm like, what the hell is going on? It, like, this is a train. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's that's like one of the things that made me pay more attention to how people treat each other. And it's it's, it's amazing, man. It's just I wanna I wanna retire and go there one day. I swear to God. Um, Japan. I've never been before, uh, but. I, it's a place that I've always wanted to go, Tokyo specifically, but it just looks like the most beautiful, the most invigorating, like melting pot of, you know, different cultures, but also subcultures as well. Like, you know, in Tokyo, there's this whole like, um, n- like group of people that are influenced by like 1950s culture and they dress up in like, like Greece, like the movie. And then they, you know, go, go out into this park and they dance and stuff. And it's like, it just looks like this crazy place where, like you say, you know, you're able, um, the, you're able to express yourself. The level of expression is like off the charts. Yeah. 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 But, but you also spent time working, uh, in studio with, with three Japanese artists. So it was JP, the wavy and then Ricky and Yoshi. How did working with them in studio and communicating through music change that or, or perhaps even like transcend that language barrier? Um, yeah, music always makes it better, man. Like everywhere I go, um, where where it's like they don't really speak English like that. When we're in studio, it's almost like we just understand each other. It's like a common language. This music thing, you know what I mean? Once once you play the, as long as I know what you're talking about, I'm gonna add my flavor and 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 whatever. And it's it's more than just words. Also, that's that's another thing. Music is more than just words. So it's not purely based on the language. It's in the flow, it's in the cadence, it's in the beat, it's in the, the attitude, all that type of stuff comes into play. So it, it was it wasn't the language barrier wasn't even a thing. I mean we had translators and um Yoshi could speak English. He, he's I think he lived in LA for for some time. Um who else? JP ha- has a girlfriend that speaks pretty good English so she translates all the time. She's always with us. You know, so it wasn't it wasn't even a thing really. With the artists, it wasn't it wasn't a thing like that. Mm. And then, and then the first time you speak Zulu in the whole documentary, you talk about not being put on earth to play, but to leave a message—a message with a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. What, what is that message that you wanted to leave behind in in Japan? Um, in Japan specifically, damn. Oh, I'm... Japan, but I, I guess more broadly, the message that you want to communicate to the world through your music. And that you are. I, I haven't. You see, it's like, ew. it's it's really just in my, the way I am, the, the the type of person I am. It's not necessarily in the music. Like it's it's in there subliminally. Like I try and I try and not make my music this whole preachy thing. I don't want people to feel like I'm giving them lectures every time they turn my music on. So I don't I don't do that a lot in my music. But just just I don't know, man. Teaching people to to take pride in themselves and who they are, and not really worry about. Um, external validation not worried about not worried about moving with the times like slow down and be human for a second that's something that's really missing especially in this industry that i'm in you know what i mean and it seems like 
the newer generations are just like they follow it like it's a religion or something. Anything that rappers do or say, they just they just want to do it and <laughs> and say it and just live like that. And they forget about morals, they forget about values, they forget about love and happiness and serenity and all that type of stuff, which is very important too. You know, I'm I know I'm one of the people that I, I really I try and and tell people my age and people younger than me to to read like as much as they can and i know you come off as like a person that's just irritating when you're just like that type of artist who's just gonna always tell people you should read or you should take a break (laughs) mental health and this and that you know what i mean so i'm trying to do it like in the best way possible and speak their language because you have to speak their language otherwise the message goes right over their heads you have to do the monstrous you have to be cool like that you have to be one of them for them to actually listen to you so I'm just hoping I change the, the minds of like people that grew up like me. People grew up in, in not necessarily broken homes, but like situations that are just like not as good as other people. You know what I mean? I, I, I wanna I wanna make sure those people know that they have the magic in them. It doesn't have to come from their surroundings. It doesn't have to come from where they were born into or what family they're born into or what religion and this and that. You know, just wanna spread good vibes, man. What you mentioned about trying to communicate to the new generation about without being preachy about taking a second Mm -hmm. to breathe and Mm -hmm. and to reflect. I feel like COVID and lockdown has kind of forced people to do that. Yep. (laughs) We'll we'll see, we'll see the effects, or at least I hope we'll start seeing the effects of, of that in the next year, two years to come. But, Mm -hmm. but how did, how did you spend your time during during lockdown especially during like the more intense level five and four like what uh, what did you spend your time doing i was just working my ass off really <laughs> of course you were I swear, yeah i swear i was rounding up the album um trying to figure out like a rollout plan all that type of stuff working on the next project um helping out Rolene with her project my my artist and a lot of my friends are about to drop albums too like serious projects too so it's just like we've just been in studio and like grinding the whole time, really. Mm. I know that you're, I mean, you're you're fresh off the release of Zulu Man with some power, mm-hmm. but eventually, when things start to even out in terms of lockdown, I'm mm-hmm. sure that you've got a, a tour in the in the works, and that yeah. there are a whole bunch of plans. Can you can you share anything with me? Uh, I can't really tell you what the plans are, but I, I, we we were just talking about that like two hours ago. Me, me and my brother, we were just locking it down. Um, like the dates, the venues. We already spoke to the people that we want to do business with in terms of like venues and stuff like that and, and sponsors. We're already just like confirming everything and locking it down. So definitely. Definitely soon. Sooner than yeah, sooner than November, December. That's like now. That's like next month. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh nasty, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me on Text Talks today. It's been a real pleasure and a privilege watching you come into your own as an artist and hopefully I'll talk to you again with uh, yeah. uh, when Zulu Man with some power goes quadruple platinum I think that'll make yeah. for a good podcast that's good speak that into existence for me real quick Call me.
days, yeah Fuckin' this paper, no fuck player I can't be caught up by no low stakes Run my name in their mouth like it's Colgate, yeah I been running this shit up with no brakes Nigga, get in my way in this road rage, yeah Pose, get that nigga pole face, yeah Ghost, get that nigga ghost face, yeah Touchdown, ATL, long flight Straight out the jungle I walked out of customs and got towed I don't play by that hustle Yeah, you got a bag, but this ain't a bag Yeah, this is a duffel Textalks.com for more episodes and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. Also a huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself, Tex, our producers Jonathan Ings and Matt Lertz and our research assistant Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side. <laughs>